Think of a time when you experienced a conversation that left you with a new perspective or perhaps an inquiry, or you might have felt that something has shifted in you after that conversation. Maybe it helped you gain a new level of clarity or moved you to take action. That was a coaching conversation. Hello and welcome to The Coaching Conversation. This is your host, Salah Alifi. I am here with Allison Pollard. Allison is a technical director at Improving. She's also a coach facilitator who work with organizations to promote agile practices to build trust with teams and between the business and technology. Allison, welcome. Glad to Thank have you. you here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. This happened, I mean, we planned and then uh, <laughs> it uh, kind of sporadically happened. So I'm, I'm glad we, uh, we were able to make it happen. Me too. Uh, yeah. So what brought you to coaching? What's the story? How did you get where you are today? Yeah, I, I think like a number of us, it, it was by accident. Um, mm. You know, I had studied computer science in college uh, and had gotten really intrigued by technical communication of actually how do you translate between the technology side and more of that like business or like layperson um, kind of perspective. And so I had gone into project management after I graduated, learned about Agile, did the Scrum Master, now Agile Coach thing. But what, what I started to realize, like the technology is cool and I love how quick changes can happen, but it's been the people side that really intrigued me. And so I remember attending uh, Lisa Adkins and Michael Spade's coaching agile teams class. Uh, and they had a demonstration of professional coaching. And I sat in awe and thought, I have no idea how to do that. Uh, and I really want to learn because it looked very, very powerful. It was actually someone from my client at the time that was doing the demonstration with them. So I got to see them engage someone I was familiar with that I had worked with in a very different way to help them find a different path forward. And I just thought, ooh, sign me up, which I, I think is easy to kind of commit to in our head. Uh, and then we find out how much work is involved. Uh, and it's a very long journey. It's interesting because most of us who have been in, in that journey can trace back who was the person behind piquing our curiosity. And a lot of times it goes back to Lisa Atkins yeah. and Michael Spade and the work that they've done bringing professional coaching into agile space. Yeah, I think that I think that was like the huge like catalyst. And yet, like I also kind of like trace back, you know, like one of the first blogs I had found was Esther Derby. And mm -hmm. I loved the things that she was writing about self-organizing teams and how do you work with them. And then similarly, when I had found Agile Retrospectives by, you know, Diana Larson, you know, looking at how do you, how do you facilitate things? How do you get a group to like take ownership? And so it's like, there's this like longer trail all the way back. Um, I think most of us can trace that it's like, we started having the seed planted earlier, earlier, but it wasn't until that like real demonstration of professional coaching that we all went, oh, now I know what it is. Now I, I have an idea of like where I want to go in back. I often find that combining the professional coaching uh, skills and some of the agile uh, practices can be really uh, powerful. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But like you said, we started to look at technology and, and then it turns out well, it's, it's the people. So that's where, where the focus is on. And that's really where, the, where we need to spend more time. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, a theme in mind around like this idea of intention 
and impact. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Can you uh, say more about that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so I've been working in an organization. Uh, this is where I, I always kind of struggle of I'm an external consultant, but I, I end up functioning like an internal coach because mm -hmm. I am coming into the organization working alongside the teams, working with the managers, working with their various stakeholders. So I really get to know like the whole context. And recently I had been working with one manager um, who is like really enthusiastic about like, how can he support his team? How can he help them to transform? You know, obviously business conditions um, have changed quite a bit, as you can imagine with the mm -hmm. pandemic. So, you know, what does it mean for them to thrive now? And I had realized like, I, I kind of knew him one-on-one -on -one from some other settings. And I thought, wow, he really knows his stuff. He's like really on top of things. He seems like a fantastic manager. And it wasn't until I saw how he interacted with one of his development teams that I went, oh, there's actually some gaps, uh, you know, like I know he wants to be supportive and it looks like he's created this like weird codependent kind of relationship between the mm -hmm. development team and himself that got me thinking about like, what is the difference between our intentions and the impact that we have as leaders? Um, so that's been a, a space that I've been exploring. And especially as a coach, like working with that leader of what kind of relationship do I need to have? Because there's got to be pretty high trust for me to be able to name for him that, ooh, feels like you don't quite have the relationship that you're wanting and that there's some negative impacts um, with the group. And there, there's some stuff you might want to do differently to change that. And that's, I believe that's where coaching in a professional sense, it may, like it may have started in agile or trying mm. to help the team deliver faster or sooner or uh, better quality. And then you hit that like ceiling or that, okay, you know, you, you need to work on how the management operate and how they mm -hmm. interact with their um, teams and reports. So you said that you noticed that they say one thing, but then they do something else, right? Yes, yes. And, and so they have the intention, a lot of the managers or leaders, they want to improve things, they want to do things better. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the way that they convey that can have unintended consequences or a different impact than they hope for. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny, because I know colleagues of mine that have also worked a bit with this manager and, and more closely with the, the team, they, they might come back and say like, well, he's being really a micromanager, you know, and that's mm -hmm. a very bad behavior, get them to stop micromanaging. And I looked and went, um, it's not quite that simple. You know, it's not just, hey, stop telling the team what to do. Because what's happening from what I'm observing is he's answering questions and he's starting to provide information before the team has had space to think mm -hmm. about it for themselves. And so that was where, you know, being able to, to come up with like an alternative um, story, I think of like what was happening instead of just like putting it in a very common pattern enabled me to, you know, say like, hey, here's what I think is happening in a, a kinder, like more empathetic way and, and say, can we, can we just kind of check that out? Mm -hmm. um, and I was excited because it was kind of difficult to like hear, oh, I'm not doing so great. But he, he was able to come back around and say, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to try an experiment. And, you know, let's, let's frame this. He's like, I, I want to try not going to some of the team's uh, events. Uh, and I, I'm going to do that for two weeks. I'm going to let them know that's what I'm doing. 
uh, and give them a sense of like why. And then at the end of the two weeks, I'm going to check in with them. Uh, and it was funny because the team, they had gotten very comfortable with this way of working. So he tells them, hey, I'm not going to come to your meetings for the next two weeks. I'm still available. Like if you need me, absolutely reach out to me. Uh, but I, I want to see if y'all can handle some things on your own and, and give you some more space to do that. And their reaction is like, well, like we don't have a problem. Like we're totally cool with you being engaged and involved with us. Like we don't understand like what's happening. But at the end of the two weeks and he said, so how was it? And they're like, well, like it was fine. We were always good with you being around. So like kind of weird that you're not there. And he said, well, yeah. did y'all speak up more? And they went, oh yes. <laughs> Yeah. We had people speaking up that normally didn't. And he's like, okay, then that's worth it. That's what I want for you all. And so being able to have him frame that experiment, like choose the action for himself and kind of set the conditions of how would we know if it's working or not and know that like I'm there to provide him the support of, yeah, it probably feels uncomfortable, you know, sometimes to like not be as involved, like talk to me about it. Let's, yeah. let's kind of like work our way through this. And, you know, we can have a game plan of, of like where and how you do engage or like what kinds of questions to ask you know i'm picking up on a theme here like you mentioned earlier you help companies and teams build trust which seems to be like that's one of the triggers or if there is not enough trust or the trust has been violated in in, in mm -hmm. some ways then the manager is not willing to give space right they want to tell people what to do yeah. uh, so what what do you think are ways to build that kind of trust like things that you've tried that worked so i I know at Improving, we've we've been following the speed of trust, um, mm -hmm. the Covey work, and yeah. really, you know, honing in on there are specific behaviors um, that you can do to be trustworthy, and that's you know been a big influence on you know my thinking and my approach. So, it, like in this particular case, it, obviously the team had high trust in their manager. Like he would give them direction, and they would follow it, and they were happy with this. The manager had some level of trust of his team, and and felt good about that relationship. Where the trust breakdown was, um, in my view, was the team didn't trust itself. Mm. And for what we do in technology and how quickly we need to be able to move sometimes, and even thinking about like succession of leadership, like how are people growing? How are they developing? You know, how are they able to contribute more and come up with better solutions? It doesn't happen if a team says, oh, it looks like there's a big town hall meeting at the same time as our next sprint planning. How mm. should we reschedule it? I don't know. Let's ask our manager. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, that's something that a team should be able to like figure out on their own. Like that's pretty low stakes of when do we reschedule a meeting to be that, that really was like the impetus for me of like, something needs to change here. The, this team needs to feel the empowerment that the manager is wanting to give them. And, and they just don't realize how much they could be stepping up in this case. Yeah. I like the distinction you're making between the manager not trusting versus the team or the person not trusting themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like there's some sort of correlation or, or a relationship between as a person, I don't trust myself. So I have to ask for direction or, or advice. And then if the manager is not cautious or the intention, he's aware of the impact, then he'll give them the advice. Right? And then yeah. that will continue to, <laughs> to just be like this <laughs> vicious cycle. Like I ask advice, I get advice and I'm not, I'm not going to grow because I'm, I'm constantly relying on the, on the external 
advice from the manager or the leader. Yes, yes, yeah. And so like in, in terms of like back to behaviors, right? Like, okay, manager needs to communicate some of the expectations or, you know, some of the outcomes, the kinds of results that he wants to see. And then, you know, the team needs to, you know, start having different conversations amongst themselves, you know, and, and taking that ownership and like holding accountability with one another. So that's some of the things that we've been working through. I know one of my colleagues, Tim Rayburn, uh, he had this fantastic talk he did years ago about how Lois Lane, if she would just stop walking off buildings, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't, you know, mean that Superman always has to be the rescuer. Yeah. Uh, and so that's sometimes also a thing that's in my head of like, how are we creating rescuers or like, how are we creating victims and how can we shift that relationship? And especially I think most of us in, in coaching are familiar with that mindset of like, this person is creative, you know, they, they are someone that can carve their own path, take ownership, um, be able to uh, set a new direction and, and do things in a different way. We don't have to like worry about them being broken and that we're trying to fix them or anything like that. Yeah, it's the character of like you, like the victim and the the hero or like yeah. the person who wants to relieve the the victim and that kind of like they feed off of each other mm-hmm. um i i recently did some work with the conscious leadership i learned about the the work that they do and uh, one of the one of the things that i found really uh, fascinating is they talked about like this uh, drama triangle oh yep exactly yeah. yeah so yeah that's like the victim the villain and the and the hero right <laughs> <laughs> they kind of like operate together to like or con- conspire whether it's internal for the mm-hmm. same person or for different people playing those mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. characters so what are some of the questions to help the person manager or individual become mm-hmm. clear on that there is this gap between what they want what they intend to do and what their the impact of- yeah so part of it was you know like my role being able to help reflect some things back of like, hey, I want to check this out with you. Um, This is what I'm observing. And to kind of play off your your drama triangle language there, like I need to come into that and not be accusing the manager of being the villain, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or, you know, using it in such a way that he's going to get defensive because that's going to break down our ability to to work through um, Mm -hmm. anything, honestly. (laughs) You know, like, okay, now you're in fight or flight mode. I guess I'll wait this out until (laughs) the brain science back to like a normal, more creative kind of um, space. So being able to, you know, reflect back, you know, here's what I noticed in that in that last uh, meeting that you had with the team, it looked like this was what was happening. You know, do you did you notice that as well? There's also the aspect of giving him more tools of how can he maybe inquire of the team and and see are they following along or like, what is their intent? Uh, You know, what kind of next steps are they imagining based on a conversation that they might have had together um, Mm -hmm. so that he can kind of get some of that feedback from the team. But because he's the manager, he has to like ask questions in a way to like pull it out of them a bit. I think it's so common for any of us, you know, someone's your boss, how open are you to giving them feedback can feel pretty scary at times. Um, So that's where I, knowing some ways to, you know, phrase it that doesn't make it quite so scary or quite so threatening for the employees. Yeah. So I'm hearing like what you're, you're helping the person heightening their their sense of noticing like mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. paying attention to what's going on like you know what are you noticing or you know what do you really want and then what's happening like what's the impact of that yes. i find that you know just just becoming 
aware of the intention and impact and the gap between those two things can help the person just recalibrate mm-hmm. their, their come back to like, okay, this is, this was not my intention. So yep. I need to adjust or adapt or come up with something different. So you also mentioned about like, you know, having some sort of feedback, like not just uh, the feedback from, from you as a coach, but having others provide feedback. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what's, what's some ways that that can happen? Cause it, like you said, it's, it can be scary if it's the environment is not safe or the team members uh, feel like, okay, well, this is, can I really say what I, what I am thinking <laughs> or, right? it, it, you know, or do I need to just be really cautious of, of the feedback I'm giving? Is there ways to have like set up that in a way that is create the safe space for the team members to give feedback? Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to like think in enough specifics here. So, so like one of the things that I mentioned earlier, you know, wanting to empower this team. So, you know, the manager tells them you are empowered. I want you to own the architecture. I want you to own the technical plan, you know, for your product. I don't want you to feel like you have to listen to other roles outside of the team that might have some suggestions for you. Like they're just suggestions. You truly know best because you're in the work on a day-to-day basis. And so the team hears that and goes, okay, so like, how does that sound? Like, that sounds really kind of cool. I'm kind of excited about that. And like, all right, like what problems are, do you see with it? You know, or, or like, how might that be challenging for us as a team and being able to kind of get a sense of where, where might there be friction um, that they feel like they're not able to live into, you know, the manager's vision uh, that he could then say, all right, so what I'm hearing, it sounds like this one particular group you know, tries to steer you in a certain direction. How can you as the team talk to them um, and shift that? Or what kind of air cover might I need to provide as the manager, like as that authoritative leader in the organization to be able to change that relationship between your two groups? Yeah. Um, so that that's part of it of like, what did you hear me say? How does that sound to you? Like, what else do you need from me? I think sometimes just with the like, what did you hear me say? is sometimes like very clear of like, oh, wait, you just interpreted that differently than what I meant. So like, let's do a little bit of cleanup (laughs) on what the message was. And that plays into this idea of intention versus impact as well, because Mm -hmm. you hear something, you may not take it as at face value. You're making something up about what's being said. Maybe it wasn't the intention. So it's like, there's Mm -hmm. this two things, like as a person, I'm responsible uh, as an individual, I'm responsible for, you know, my intention and then my impact, um, mm-hmm. but also like if everyone starts to become responsible for their intention or impact, then we'll constantly not just assume what's being said, what is meant to be said or what, what's being heard, but what's meant to be said. So maybe there's something I'm making up about what's being said, but it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, what you just said there about taking responsibility for our impact, that's huge. That's actually extremely hard. You know, most, mm-hmm. most of us will have the first inclination of like, but I had good intentions, you know, like I I shouldn't need to apologize or I shouldn't need to be involved in the cleanup of something because I had good intentions. It's not my fault. And I think one of the best descriptions I've heard lately, you know, when we, when we make a mistake, when we do something wrong, you know, we need to apologize or we need to, you know, clarify and, and, you know, clean up that relationship. And it's the same as if you stepped on someone's toes by accident. You don't just say, well, it wasn't my intention to step on your toes. I was just walking. Yeah. You say, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And and I think like that, you know, emotional wake 
you know, sometimes the term used of like recognizing like you've had an impact on people could be the actions that they took, could be the way that they felt, but knowing that that's also part of our responsibility of, you know, how did I leave someone, you know, after the end of a conversation, you know, after the end of a meeting and knowing like, I am responsible for that. I, I own a part of that. And it's, it's part of my obligation as a human being to, you know, keep things in a positive um, space. I'm hearing like curiosity about what's going on. It's also like the idea of like trust hmm. um, because, you know, if, if something happens and you don't clean it up or you don't come to a closure, you're saying, I'm sorry, or get to to uh, completions, reboot or restart, um, yeah. then that lingers and it, it hurts the trust. So that that's another thing is like, how do you open up if something has been lingering for a while? What are some ways to like open open that up so that it can be like, it's almost like a, I'm measuring like a surgeon, like opening something up and like cleaning up the, the, the trust that has been Right. Yeah. There, there, I'm, I'm with you. Like there are those moments where I'm like, gosh, I want to be like really like strategic and like hone yeah. in on the specific thing. And then there are other times I'm like, this is pretty big and complex and I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, mm. But it's, it's very contextual for me, you know, like I, I might have an idea, you know, of, okay, there, there's something that's not quite right. You know, it feels like there's a yeah. lack of trust in this relationship. Is it, is it something that I name directly or is it something I need to come at a little bit uh, from the side? And that kind of varies from like group to group and how, how well I know them and how well they know me. And sometimes even just like how high stakes is this? You know, I, I remember at one client sitting in the room with the team and their director and the directors, you know, proposing this like, you know, bold new idea and the room's super quiet yeah. and he's finally like, what's going on? And one of my coworkers just named it and said, it seems like there's a lack of trust. And, mm. the, and the team went, oh yes. And here's <laughs> why. Uh, and I was like, dang, you just named the elephant. And they went, yep, that's an elephant. Let me tell you more about it. It has a really long trunk and really big ears. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was a lot easier to work through it at that point because we we had put it out there. Other situations, I, I feel like I might have to bring in some of that lightness. I think one of the skills I've been like really mindful of is normalizing. They're like, oh, it's really normal that we have some conflict between yeah. say the business side and the IT side. And if we're, if we're all like working Working together and trying really, really hard. Some of that friction is good. Some of that's a positive thing. And, you know, what is it that together, you know, is our goal? What's the thing that we're trying to focus on? And how can we look to that um, as like the problem area that we're trying to like work together to solve rather than looking at each other and going, you're a problem. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> I can't solve a human on the right. other side. Yeah, so looking at each other as colleagues, human beings, not as problems to be fixed, which which is also like some an element of of you know the coaching stance is like you don't you're not trying to fix them or tell them what to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to like shift focus here on how to help managers become better coaches. I think or mm. or manager as a coach. What are some of the ways, I mean, one, one tool or way is like the intention versus impact. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you noticed as far as like some other ways that can help managers take a step back and, and do more, like acquire some more coaching skills that can help them with their teams? I'm trying to think, because I, I know I've had a number of managers that would go through training classes. Mm -hmm. Again, it might've been coaching agile teams, or it, it might've some, been some other workshops. I think the key is like, where do they get 
get to practice in that learning environment. And sometimes I'm creating the learning environment for them. You know, I, I think all of us need that place where we're going to make mistakes when we're first learning to coach. Uh, and it, it's so, it's so hard because you're in that conscious incompetence space. Oh, I don't know the question to ask, or I don't know how to phrase this thing or like, Oh, in my gut, I really just want to like tell you what to do. Right. Um, that if, if they're practicing only on like their actual teams, that could be kind of high stakes um, potentially um, mm -hmm. or, or just kind of messy at times that, you know, I, I might want to have like this little like cohort, you know, for managers to like practice on one another. Uh, and we might be doing some like book club, you know, readings together as well. Um, Cause I, I have found benefit in let's, let's like work our way through a book. Um, and especially if you're taking it a couple chapters at a time, like what's the thing that you're practicing, you know, between now and like the next time that we meet. Uh, and then you get to come back and say, okay, here's what I tried. This part worked this other time I did a thing like that was a disaster. And wow. you know, like, how do I get more of the, this was really good and less of the, this was a disaster. I know in some companies, the book club or having a book can be a good uh, thing. We did uh, five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. And you yeah, mentioned yeah. Uh, st uh, speed of trust by Stephen Covey. And, and then also there is this, not just the reading or the learning, but also the practicing and reflecting on what mm -hmm. we've, what we've done. So if we go back to this idea of manager as a coach, what have been some of like the specific skills that, mm. that you notice managers are lacking and some of the skills that they have a strength in kind of like the, the dials on a, a radio or like a dials, like, you know, you can dial this down a little bit and you need to dial this up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, it's funny. So I, I remember years ago, um, there was a, a group of managers um, that I had been working with for a pretty long time. And in order to train them up as coaches, I would actually start pairing up with them and saying, okay, you're, you're a manager of certain teams. I want you to come and visit this team that does not report to you. And that was a way for them to be able to like practice their observation skills. So like the two of us could kind of have a dialogue, you know, amongst ourselves, like, so this team is having a planning meeting. Like, what are you noticing about how they're talking to one another or who's not talking in the room? Uh, like, what are the things that are being said? What's not being said? Like, what's the vibe, you know, feel like? And it was a lot easier for them to notice and then say what they were thinking because it wasn't their people and it wasn't their project, you know, that mm -hmm. they were concerned about the delivery of. So after that, you know, I think it was a lot easier for us to get into, you know, so based on how that team was working, you know, what are some things that you would think you know, might need to change. Okay, that sounds cool. Here's another thing that I might have considered you might not have thought of. Let's talk about how would we introduce that to the team? You know, some of them actually stepped up and started like helping to teach classes. Um, so they got more in the trainer space, um, which is kind of neat. Um, I had others that could help me do more like a deeper diagnostic or like assessment of a team and help mm -hmm. them come up with that like improvement plan. You know, like what is what is this team's like roadmap look like for their learning over the next, you know, say three to six months or so. So it, it kind of varied from person to person, but it seemed like the being able to observe more, 
more objectively, like what was happening and being in tune with what's the state of the work, what's the state of the relationships, what's the, what's the overall like tone of that? Does it feel like it's one cohesive team or does it feel like it's splintered into like subgroups, you know, and like, what would that mean? Asking questions was a big, big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You can like hear me trailing off of like, and things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think, I mean, there are a lot of different tools and you're aware of this, like, you know, the individual coaching and team coaching, there are some overlap, but there's also different tools. Like I know know, we're, we, we, we both part of like this um, agile fluency uh, diagnostics community. And it's Mm -hmm. maybe that's one tool that could be used to find out uh, what's happening with the team and kind of reflect back. And then I like the idea that you mentioned about pairing with the manager and, you know, having them observe or look at things from like an observer uh, Mm -hmm, stance, mm -hmm. since this is not their project. So they may be a little bit neutral or um, biased. So these are, these are really uh, good tools to, uh, to start with. Are there any resources or places or books that you have that you recommend? That's a great question. The book that I've been like referring back to recently is executive coaching with backbone and heart. Mm-hmm. Um, by Mary Beth O'Neill. Uh, and, and part of what I love is this, this construct that she has that the leader's behaviors need to be connected to the team's behaviors or like their employees' behaviors in support of business results. And so as I think about how do you work in an organization, you need all three elements kind of clarified yeah. in order for that group to work together cohesively and generate those kinds of you know big outcomes that they're striving for. So you mentioned some of the resources and the references. Are there any other takeaways, uh, things that you would point to for managers to kind of start with mm. or, or teams to uh, start with? Yeah, great question. Uh, I mean, there's, there's the like self-promotion of Agile Arizona is coming up, or mm-hmm. I guess this year they've, they've kind of rebranded um, Agile Era Sofa uh, mm-hmm. since it's virtual. Um, and I do have a session there with one of my coworkers about how do you partner up with leaders um, for the sake of transformation uh, that I'm really excited about. So other coaches that want to learn about this, um, would definitely benefit from attending that. Resources for for managers themselves, I'm kind of drawing a blank, honestly. I I feel like there's a lot of coaching materials out there and it, it hasn't been quite so obvious to me of like, how does it fit in for a manager that does have some responsibilities in the organization? that wants to like pick up some coaching skills. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not certain what's on that bookshelf right now. I've seen some work by the leadership circle, or like you said, you know, kind of like picking books, the books that the, the work of also, um, I'm a big fan of the work of uh, Brené Brown on vulnerability and shame and things that can get in the way of trust. Yes, yeah, I've, I've had a couple leaders uh, go through her latest book, Dare to Lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and that certainly opened up, I think, different conversations and like a a newfound willingness to be vulnerable. Um, that's been exciting to see. It, I guess it always feels like kind of an act of courage when you take something out of a book and then start tr- trying to apply it yourself. Yeah, and that's why you need someone like you and me and like coaches who can kind of like pair up with you, maybe um, ask questions that can get a deeper sense of what's what's 
getting in the way mm-hmm. and obviously building trust like you mentioned earlier you have to <laughs> you have to build that sort of report in order to have that conversation yeah otherwise yeah. like you said the person might get defensive or feel like they are being attacked and and that impact the trust and the relationship is there anything else that you want to share before um uh, before we wrap up good question <laughs> um i i can't think of anything um other than you know not only can managers you know reach out to coaches and and pair up with us for support i also want to encourage them to check out the the community you know look mm-hmm. on meetup especially now with everything being virtual I, i think it's a lot easier to plug in to you know coaching groups or especially you know agile meetups and be able to find peers uh, and other folks to just kind of talk through you know how how are they doing it and and how um, might they mentor you or or provide you some advice for things that you're trying so um i know you write a lot of articles and blogs and and um is there a place where people can find more about the work that you do yeah the the best place to go is my blog um alisonpollard.com uh that will have a list of my upcoming speaking events and uh you can see the latest articles that i've put out there awesome all right well thank you alison it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you and uh, getting uh, a lot of good insights thank you this has been fun thank you Hey, thank you for listening. I hope this conversation gave you something to think about or take action on. Remember, take action and get clarity, then repeat.